Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Today, I'm sitting down to talk with Bill Rourke, co-founder of Torch Technologies. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the 20th anniversary as Torch is celebrating 20 years of service this October 2022. So today, I want to reminisce over the last 20 years, talk a little bit about the history, some of the lessons you've learned along the way, and what the future looks like for Torch. So taking you back, way back to 2002, you meet with your co-founder, Don Holder at Rolo's, a local restaurant here in Huntsville, and you discuss this idea you have to him to start Torch. How did that conversation go, and what were both of you doing at that time? Well, a lot of memories of that. Don and I are actually going to go to Rolo's tomorrow and uh, revisit the old booth where we started this train 20 years ago. (laughs) At the time, I was working for a company called Torch Concepts, and Torch Concepts was in the content business. They were developing software to automatically deliver content to you based upon your desires if you wanted to talk about... uh, Mercury spacecraft, and it would deliver you articles on that, or Mercury the liquid, or Mercury the car. And rather than just give you all things Mercury, you could give it the key words that you wanted to do, and it would deliver you those documents each day. The business was doing well, and the 911 collapse essentially made it really tough for that business. And as we struggled through that, as the sales dried up, I decided to go back into the defense business and as I was doing the groundwork on the defense business, the areas where the customers I'd had over the years were now working, and I wanted to go back to see the old customers because I thought that was probably the best place to get started. It was in an area where Don used to work as a government employee and had worked as a contractor as well. And as I did my homework out there, I had learned that some of the activities out there were such that it might be a good time to reach out to Don and see if he might be interested in joining me. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting this new venture. Would you like to be a part of that? We had that conversation at Rolo's. I think it started probably late July, early August. And we had several breakfasts there talking about this and sort of laid out the concept of the, he and I both worked at Nichols. In fact, at one point there in my career, early in my career, I actually worked for Don for a brief period of time before I got transferred out to a field office. So he and I knew each other and liked each other, and I had a lot of respect for Don, and I knew he knew this area where the customers I knew were at this point, and that I thought together we could be really strong. And so as we continued to have the conversation, Don had really in his mind decided it was time for him to retire. He had already retired from the government and had worked at Nichols for a number of years and then worked for Cass for a brief period. But as I continued to have conversations with him and talk about the strategy, and I can remember when I sort of started to hit a nerve, I asked him, I said, well, Don, a lot of these employees that have worked with you for a long time that are working with you now, I says, if you retire and look like the area that Don was working at that point that the company is working with was going to have some business decline, I said, well, if you retire, what happens to these employees? Then I realized I had struck a nerve. So <laughs> I just kept digging down that pathway, and finally, Don said he needed to do some homework, and he needed to go out and visit some customers, and 
before he gave me a decision. So he did that, and he was on the way to a football game to go in to see Oklahoma and Alabama play out in <laughs> Oklahoma. And somewhere in the middle of the Midwest, on a Saturday morning, he gives me a call. It might have been a Friday morning. Anyway, he was on the way out there. He called me that morning and said, he just, when I answered the phone, he said, I'm in. I said, what? <laughs> I've been thinking about what you're saying about starting this company. And he says, I'm in. He said, uh, we get back, we'll sit down and draft it up. And we sat back down in that booth at Rolo's when he got back in town. And we scratched out on a napkin the key principles that we're going to do business by. And those key principles are still unchanged on our webpage today. I don't think a single word, except maybe when we first put them up there, somebody may have edited them for grammar because my grammar's <laughs> so poor. But the intent of what was said on that napkin was captured in those principles, and they're still there today. And the last one of those is we were going to promote employee ownership. We were going to have all of our employees be owners in the company and something that has become core to the principles that we do business by today. And I think Don and I both would be very proud to say that we've upheld those principles that were scratched out on that napkin. <laughs> I just wish I had that napkin today. I'd put it up in a big frame. <laughs> And hanging on the wall, but I'm sure it went through the washer in my pants, and my wife probably got it out in a gazillion pieces, <laughs> as she often does for the things I scribble on and carry around for a few days before I get them in my electronic devices. But <laughs> uh, Don and I got off to a quick start in the company. We both had the past successes and the knowledges of these customers and the ability to reach out to skilled people that we could bring on board. So Early on, we brought along a lot of very skilled people, Joe Hills of the world, the Terry Thomases of the world, people who made big impacts early in the company. We had Janet Hainish and uh, Barb, and we had uh, the twins, Faye Edger, who's still with us, was one of those. And as she's, I guess she's been with us 18 or 19 years now, maybe really close to 20 because they came on probably in January, February after we got started. But we were lucky enough to really get some key good people that could make a difference for the warfighter and uh, John Wells, Wade Shirley. Geez, I, I hate that I name names now because I'll forget someone that's really key. But that <laughs> there was 17 or 18, 20 people there early that we just couldn't have gotten anyone any better in terms of doing a good job for the customer. And it just seems like we were hiring people at risk. We didn't really have contracts for them, but they were the kind of people that you knew if you had them on board. There was going to be a customer out there that would find a need to use them because they just had extremely strong skills. And that's been a forte of us is to recruit good people the whole time. So, you know, as you find yourself out there, if we've recruited you hard, you know, we really believe in you. And that's part of the success of the company is getting good people on board. So you, you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, just like the initial onboarding of these people. You kind of create this company with Don. You start hiring people. You start hiring people that you've worked with in the past, people you know, and you continue to kind of grow the company. And I read that you actually awarded your first prime contract in March 12th of 2003. When you landed that first prime contract, how exciting was that moment looking well, at the trajectory and kind yeah, of what it, Torch looks like? It wasn't a huge contract. It was <laughs> a small business kind of contract, a small business SBIR, I think. So it's not the kind that you would write home, and but uh, nevertheless, it was very exciting for us and built a foundation for us in terms of past performance going forward and gave us the confidence that we could write a winning proposal. So. And like you mentioned, a lot of these core values of Torch that you formed in the very early stages, and one of those key ones is being 100% employee-owned, which you were able to achieve in December 2011. 
How did that moment feel knowing that you've worked nine years to get to that? And how does it feel now looking back on 20 years of the business? Yeah, when you accomplish a goal that you've been working for a long time, there's a great deal of satisfaction in it. And it's sort of surreal. I think it's something that we'd looked forward to and committed to and talked about since the very founding of the company. I was a little bit ahead of schedule. We accelerated because of the pending tax legislation we thought would impact our employees when they sold their shares. But nevertheless, it was mission accomplished, I guess, is not to choose a phrase that got demeaned, I guess, a decade or so ago. But but it was mission accomplished, and that's what we set out to do, and we were very glad that we'd held on to our principles to be able to do that. So. So as the business is continuing to grow and beginning to skyrocket, eventually you would start expanding in the different cities and different states. And I couldn't imagine in 2002 thinking that the business would be growing that quickly and kind of seeing the, the expansions that it would take. In 2013, you were actually able to open the first location outside of Huntsville in Colorado Springs. What would that moment feel like kind of seeing the Torch brand, the Torch logo, the Torch community expanding into new and different areas? And Doug and I wrote that first business plan, which is about 10 or 15 pages long that I still have a copy of. And I think we were really excited to maybe make 100 employees. <laughs> I don't think we talked much about being outside of Huntsville either. I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember any plans to go outside of Huntsville. You know, we'd always thought we would grow. We just didn't know it would grow to be this big. And certainly the prospects of moving into other locations, something that he and I were both familiar with. I'd spent a lot of time running field offices for Nichols Research all over the country. So it's certainly a concept that we were familiar with and certainly would have had the thought crossed our mind would have been something we would have put in the business plan if it's not there. But it is rewarding to go to Colorado Springs or to Eglin and see a huge contingent of employees there. We have several locations across the U.S. now that has a fairly sizable presence. In fact, I guess 30 or 40 percent of our employees now, uh, certainly 30 percent are outside Huntsville. Wow. And I would not have thought that in 2002 when we scratched out that little business plan. And it's quite a few more than 100 <laughs> employees now, too, yeah, I would suspect. There's several hundred in Eglin, and I don't know, more than 50. I don't think we've reached 100 yet in Colorado Springs, but and we have a sizable contingent in two or three other locations as well. So looking over a 20-year journey with a company of any kind, even if you're just an employee of it, there's lessons to learn. But being a 20 years as a co-founder, there's, I mean, the lessons are probably endless. Thinking back over that time, what are some of those, if you could pick and choose a few lessons or words of advice you'd give to someone that's listening right now? Well, I think some advice I got early is to focus on the things that make a difference. I think that's a key piece of advice. When we moved into the facility there on uh, Chris Drive, had uh, paint swatches up on a piece of glass there and carpet samples, and I was trying to pick which paint and carpet and then, uh, Chris Horgan, who was the founder of Nichols, who was a co-founder there, who was also co-owner of the building there, walks in and walks down to my office and he asks, what's this? And I said, oh, it's paint and carpet. I thought, well, that's funny. Why are you asking that? And he says, why are you doing this? <laughs> well, what do you mean? He said, you should be focused on things that make a difference to the company. Which customer is going to come over here and choose you based on any of these colors or any of these carpets? And I paused for a minute and I said, well, Chris you're spot on. <laughs> I said, that's a really good thought. And he said, spend your time doing the things that make a difference. And as a business owner, those of you out there that are business owners, I would uh, pass along those great words of wisdom that Chris shared years ago, uh, focus on the things that make a difference. And he's right. I don't remember which paint <laughs> color we chose. 
and uh, I guess we could walk up there and look at the hallways and the carpet, but uh, I guess fortunately we remodeled that building, and that paint and carpet has been changed <laughs> by some architect's designer, and I remember she brought in uh, all the colors and paint swatches and all that and said, I want to show you all these things we're looking at. Uh, I looked at her and said, pick one that's pretty that's cheap. <laughs> I said, I need the cost to be minimal. And I said, whichever one you pick will be fine as yeah. long as it's in the blue family to match our logo. And <laughs> walked out. And then I walked down the hallway and I realized I probably hurt the young lady. <laughs> she was feeling. just trying to so do her I job. I walked back and I explained to her the advice of Chris Horgan. And then I turned around and walked back to my office. And, uh, <laughs> I don't remember how many different combinations he's had. And I don't know what the color was. It was something we all liked. It was different than what I had chosen the initial time, but and we could, it's easy to find out. I don't even remember what it is, but we could walk up there and look at the wall and see <laughs> what it is. But instead of spending that time worrying about which carpet to choose and which paint color to choose, spend the time in your customer's office and figure out what will make a difference for him. I think that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given. Focus on the things that are important. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, and there's lessons in those moments, those key moments that you kind of think of in 20 years. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint certain things. Oh, yeah, now you help me <laughs> There you go. Thank you. The other thing I remember is if you can create a growth company, growth covers up mistakes. <laughs> I have some big ones, and uh, fortunately the company grew fast enough that when you make a $50,000 mistake, if you grow $3 million in that year, that $50,000 looks rather small. So focus on creating a growth business. Because when you make a mistake, it'll help you cover it up and help you move on forward. So, Those lessons and those things, I mean, having those people that you've worked with in other jobs and you know, the co-founder of Nichols Research and kind of the advice he's able to give you. I mean, those leaning on advice on people that have done it before and been there before is super beneficial for anybody. And I think one of those things that's kind of now looking ahead, looking at the future, there's so much that Torch has been able to accomplish in 20 years. From just the impact it's had on its employees, to impact it's had on the community, to impact it's had on your life, on your family's life, on everybody's life. What do you hope moving forward in the next 20 years, in the next 15 years, in the next 40 years, Torch is able to accomplish in the future? And just kind of what legacy do you hope it has? Well, you know, one of the tenets, you know, of being successful in business, that would be a third item of what we we're just talking about. It's be kind to people, treat people the way you want to be treated and always do the right thing. Martin Luther King had a quote. I don't remember exactly how it was, but it's Something to the effect of it's always the right time to do the right thing. I have that plaque in my office. Do you think I could quote it correctly <laughs> since I look at it virtually every day? But I would hope that and when we make our next 20-year mi milestone and people look back, they would look back at Torch. I think they look at Torch that way today, that we do the right thing. We treat people fairly. We work together with our subcontractors fairly, and we do the best we can at that. And I hope that 20 years from now, that when people look back, they'll say those same things about Torch. They're good partners. They're good to work with. They've treated us fairly. We've been able to do business with them without them interceding and being hostile to our business. They work fairly and pay promptly. Those are key things uh, that I would like us to be known for 20 years from now. Hopefully, we're a much bigger company and much stronger financially in, than we are today, certainly are stronger today than we were 20 years ago, and hopefully that trend will continue. But I also hope that we've proven this concept of employee ownership is sustainable and is sustainable long-term. That is our goal. We want our employees to do well. We want them to build a retirement such that they can retire comfortably. We want them to be able to retire. You know, we've just changed their retirement age from 65 to 60. I want them to be able to retire at that 59 and a half, 60 that uh, 
where they can withdraw their money without paying the additional tax penalties on it and enjoy those extra few years rather than if they want to work till they're 65 or 70, well, by all means, we'd love <laughs> to have them stay. But we want them to be able to decide and to be able to, and for the young people today, that's something to think about. You Normally, we're thinking about the, the things that are important to us now, but one of the most important things to you when you get my age is to be able to make that decision <laughs> without worrying about whether you can live life. And if you want to work, which I've chosen to continue to work because I enjoy the people I work with, then that's an option, but you do have the option to go home and just enjoy life. Yeah, and I think one of the key things that we've talked a lot about in previous episodes too is just that, that deals with the future is those employees themselves, the employee owners, kind of their longevity here and then their success they've had after here, after they've left Torch, after they've been able to retire, and as well as just the impact you've been able to get back to your community. We talked a lot about just putting people first and the community aspect of Torch, uh, which you can hear about in other episodes, but there's so much of that legacy is going to continue and continue. And hopefully in 20 years from now, we're having the same conversation of all the things we're able to do now because of what 20 years has done. One part of the future that we've also talked a lot about is being certified evergreen. Uh, how important was it for you to achieve that distinction for the company while you're still here and offer that security for the employee owners for years to come? Well, that was really important to me, finding the evergreen organization, the tugboat organization, where this concept generated from was sort of surreal in that I found an organization that's made up of business owners, business CEOs, business leaders that think a lot like I do. I didn't want to go through the thing of selling the company and have what happened to me happen to other folks. When Nichols sold and all the admin folks were over a period of months were walked to the door and asked to find a job somewhere else. And that eventually, you know, at first I didn't think that was going to happen to me. In fact, I saw it as an opportunity to to grow, but as it became more clear that that eventually was going to happen to me, it became very real. And uh, I didn't want that to happen here. Uh, the evergreen concept says that we're going to do everything we can to stay in business as torch and uh, we'll forever have that as a focus. If we do that, uh, nobody will get walked to the door in a buy sale. I hope someday that we're able to acquire, but I hope if we're able to do that, we're able to do it in a way that takes care of the people and doesn't walk a ton of people to the door as part of that transaction and that we'll be able to keep those people and put them to work somewhere else and continue to grow the company. We never know what the future holds, but it's our intent to try to keep doing business as we do and keep treating people the way we treat them and put our people first in terms of how we do business but put our customers first in terms of what we're trying to deliver to the warfighter and the keep them alive and safe. So as we approach the end of this episode, for anyone that's listening, anyone that's an employee here at Torch, anyone that's a friend of a friend that works here or whoever it might be, whoever the person is that's listening, or what's one thing that you would want to leave them with thinking back over these last 20 years at Torch and kind of your legacy with the company and the company's legacy moving forward? You know, it's always been our goal to treat our people well. You can't be 100% perfect in that, but you can get up every day with the intent that is what you want to do. And do your best you can at it. Sometimes there'll be conflicts where there's not a good solution, but you just do the best you can with the cards that are dealt to you. And I hope at the end of the day, 20 years from now, we've still been able to treat our employees as good as we have in the past 20 years. I think we've done a good job of that as a whole. We've tried to offer good benefits that are competitive, or in some cases, we've been recognized for being much better than competitive. 
And I hope we're able to continue to do that. I hope we're able to continue to treat the people well in terms of a good place to work. I liked it best when one of the employees came to see me after the uh, transaction where we bought all the stock out and he talked about the change and going forward and he said it was really nice. He bought my stock back and it created an opportunity for me to be able to pay off my house and help with my kids' education. He said the interesting thing is I didn't really understand the employee ownership aspect. He was a younger employee when I came here, but I thought it was a nice novelty. He said, and the interesting thing is this is a nice place to work. I would have worked here anyway. <laughs> and I thought that's the ultimate compliment. We spend a lot of time trying to make sure people understand the employee ownership aspect of it. But in parallel to that, we try to create a good workplace where people want to work here. They get along. We're treated as family. We behave as family. We don't, you know, in previous companies I've worked at, internal divisions compete with us, each other. I really like that our divisions here try to work well with each other because after all, if they help another division grow bigger and the company stock becomes more valuable, their stock becomes more valuable in the process. So they're motivated to work together. I do like that. It's a different model. I wish I could claim a hundred percent credit for <laughs> the outcome that's happened, but there's a lot of people who put their shoulder to the wheel here and made it happen. And We've chipped off the rough edges as we've gone uh, to get a nice round tire so that it moves forward consistently and smoothly. And uh, I think we've got a good leadership where that'll continue and continue forward. Well, thank you so, so, so much. I love learning more about the history of Torch, kind of learning a little bit about some of the lessons you've learned along the way, because there's obviously been plenty of those. And I love learning a little bit about kind of what you, what you see the future to hold for Torch and what 20 years from now looks like and the idea of keeping the dream alive and just kind of what that mantra and what that vision really means. And there's so many different things that have been put in place to kind of keep that dream alive for many, many, many years. So thank you so much. If you're listening to this episode and you want to find out more about Torch, you can visit their website, torchtechnologies.com today. And you can be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it.